Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you. Enjoy. How are we doing? Okay, awesome, awesome. Hey, glad you guys are here, all right? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting weekend. Uh, I'm glad you guys came to the later service uh, because uh, I tell you what, there are all kinds of parties going on, all kinds of games happening. I'm glad you guys are here because it's actually my birthday. It is my birthday, yes. Uh, you guys are thinking, you're, you're lying, you're lying. It actually is, and I'm 31 today, 31, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, you don't believe me, okay, let me tell you, let me tell you why, okay. So 31 years ago, 31 years ago to the day, like Halloween day, 31 years ago, I came to Jesus. So it is my, it is my spiritual birthday. Yes, right? Right? So I think you guys should uh, um, uh, sing me happy birthday. What do you think? No? No? Come on. Come on, try it. Have you ever done it? Happy spiritual birthday. Let's try it. Happy spiritual birthday to you. Happy. I feel like I'm singing to myself. A good day to all right. Woo, woo. All right, well, thanks for being here on my birthday. And I'm going to go with the fact that I'm 31 years old today. So it's great. But you know what? Seriously, though, uh, I wanted to, um, in the middle of this conversation that we're having about loving people, I want to talk about demon people. All right, so demon people. You have any demon people in your house? In your, in your, yes, you do? Okay, you do. You do have some demon people. All right, no, because the truth is that there are so many of us when uh, we find ourselves in relationships that we go, you know what, I don't know what's going on. Um, and it's so easy to kind of just uh, look at people and go, you know what, they're evil. And I mean, I'm sure you've looked at someone and thought, you know what, that is, that, I don't know what that is. There's a spirit inside of him or something like that. And I think what happens is, is that on a day like Halloween, for me, I have a very different experience with Halloween because for some of us, we grew up in a faith that says, you know what, I can't believe that you would dress up in costumes. You're, you're basically celebrating uh, Satan. Uh, and then you have others uh, who are like, you know what, we, uh, we don't care. We don't talk about this stuff. It's no big deal, no big deal. And so when we talk about or think about this idea of evil or spiritual warfare, even that word, the idea of a spiritual world, uh, again, based on where you were raised, um, you either talk about a whole lot, um, you give him a lot of credit, you know, right? Have you ever heard the phrase, the devil made me do it? Yeah, devil made me do it, right? And not today, Satan. Have you heard that one? Not today, Satan. And so there's a lot of that happening. And then there's like this idea of like, no, we just don't even acknowledge the fact that there are uh, other things out there. And so we are smart enough to just figure everything out. And so if your spiritual life is a spiritual life, that means that implies that there is a dimension that you and I have tapped into. There is a spiritual part. There's an invisible world. 
And so today, what I want to do is I want to talk about it because Jesus talked about this. He talked about it because he knew that the human experience is not void of a spiritual one as well. That means that some of the things you're facing, you're, you're, you're struggling with right now, yes, they're very practical things. Yes, there are things that you're like, I, you know, this is this, I need to figure this out. You know, my boss is, or my person is, or my thing is, and I just got to figure these people out, and I've, I've got some enemies, I got some haters, I got all those things, but, but there is another side to this as well. So Jesus, what he does is he talks about it, and he talks about it when he prays for us. So John 17, we'll put it on the screen for you. So John 17 says this, okay? It says, I'm not asking you to take them out of, this, of the world, but to keep them safe from the what? Help me out, with the, from the who? Evil one. Okay, you can say it. It's okay. You don't, you don't summon evil, evil if you say the evil one, okay? Uh, okay, so to keep them safe from the evil one, right? They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Jesus, I took this out of context in a sense, just to focus on the fact that Jesus is praying for us against this invisible darkness. He's talking about this uh, evil, and he says, I don't want you to take them out of the world, but I want you to also know that they are just like me. They're not made just for this world. And so, again, this alludes to the reality that... um, your stuff is just not practical. It's not just um, stuff that you can figure out intellectually. There is a other side to this. And so when it comes to my faith personally, uh, you know, this, this, uh, the reason why I made a big deal about this is because Halloween for me was strange. I had a very supernatural experience with Jesus. Like I didn't have a church experience. I didn't come to church and feel like, Um, I needed Jesus in my life or I didn't have like this uh, um, moment where I'm like, I really felt God's presence. That was not my story. My story is kind of perfect for Halloween. That's why I think it just happened on Halloween. Now, if you don't know my story, I will, I'm gonna give you the cliff notes. I did write a book about this. I'm gonna shamelessly plug this because some of you guys are like, oh, I don't know about the story and I don't know about this and I don't know about that. Uh, Here is the story of not just my experience, but also experience of my family, um, and other people um, meeting Jesus extremely um, in, a spirit, in, in, um, in an unexplainable kind of way. So my story is this, is Halloween night. I didn't know this because I, I just had come to the States. It had been three weeks. I was not into Halloween, you know, in Kuwait. We don't sort of celebrate any fun holidays, honestly. So we're like, we just, well, I was there. And so uh, I was trying to fall asleep. And all of a sudden I got pinned uh, on my um, bed paralyzed, nothing, I felt there was something uh, in the room, there were several things in the room, and I started screaming out, hoping to wake up my brother, but the door opened up and in walked this thing, can't explain it, Um, again, you know, I did not go to Demon 101, you know what I'm saying, Um, not into, you know, any of that kind of stuff, but I just immediately recognized that this this was, um, which in my country is called, or my language called Jin, uh, not gin, the drink, okay? Uh, yeah, gin, yeah, okay. No, uh, it's, it's the word for demon. And I just thought this was a, it's, a, it's, it's a gin. And this thing starts walking up, communicates to me that's gonna kill me, and I believe him. I don't know how he communicated, I believe him. I don't know if it was a he or she, I'm not quite sure, but I believed her too. I mean, I'm like, this thing was like very real. Um, and it was, I thought I was going to die. And then, Next thing I knew, um, it, it, whatever was holding me let go, and I ran out of my room, woke up my brother, 
and told him what happened. And that's when I first heard about demons and angels in the Bible. Like I didn't hear or know any of the stories of Jesus in our, uh, interacting or encountering Jesus or casting them out. I had no experience of that at all. And then I find myself facing this. So my brother is like, you know what? I feel like you just stepped into a spiritual world. I, this stuff is true. It, it, it doesn't happen a whole lot, but I think there's a purpose for your life and yada, yada, yada. And he, I'm like, listen, I'm just scared to death. I need help. And he tells me this. I'll never forget it. He said, the only person that I know who has authority over demons and angels is, is Jesus. And I go, all right, let's do it. And so right there, uh, I came to Jesus. I mean, I can go into the details, but again, it's, it's in the book. But then after arguing with him to not go back in the room, because what sane person would want to go back in that room? Uh, I was like, just, let's just burn the room. You know what I'm saying? Let's destroy it. And he was like, no, you got to go back. And I went back there, back in the room. Uh, with the Bible, it's, a, it's, it's kind of hilarious. But anyways, an hour into it, um, uh, I, I, I found myself being um, like um, awoken or like shaken or something. And I, and I, um, in the next minute I knew, I, I just, I, I was sitting on my bed looking into this presence again that I can't explain. This was the opposite of what I experienced an hour before. It was this presence and... Um, uh, and I'm, I mean, I mean it, the simply what I heard was, I am Jesus and your life is not your own. And I can't express to you that the peace, the, the, the confidence, the, the hope um, that, experience, that I experienced that moment, I can't explain to you the feelings I felt. I, people go, oh, how did, what, did, what did Jesus look like? What did Jesus look like? And I'm telling you, it was the most surreal experience. I was looking at him, but I was inside of him. And I cannot explain that at all. But I knew that this body could not be in that presence for long. And I fell right back asleep. Next moment, next uh, day I woke up and I had gotten a download. I was like, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this. And that led the journey. So if you've ever wondered why I decided to be a pastor, I didn't decide to be a pastor. I didn't, I was, I didn't, was like, ah, you got called to the ministry. No, bro, I didn't have a phone. You know what I'm saying? I didn't, I I, I just got a, you're going to do this. And I'm like, yes, I am. And three years for that, after that, I did not date. I knew I was supposed to, I just, it was, this was it. And, um, and just the next step, the next step, whatever was before me. And so I've been, lead, I've been being led my whole life, I want you to know, by a voice that I have not totally seen. I have been led by a Jesus, a relationship that I don't, I have a physical, I can't explain it physically, but I, my whole life has been centered around that one day that happened 31 years ago. Like, I, I got nothing else. Like, I, 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 that's all, that I, I'm doing that. And, and, and I've decided because I went one, once I heard that, uh, that your life is not your own, and I knew that this would be the mandate for the rest of my life. And so uh, I know we're all dressed up and we're all having fun and all that, but my experience with Halloween was one of, you're called and you're going to be doing this for the rest of your life. And I was like, I knew it. And then I got into all kinds of other stories and experiences with demonic things and evil spirits and things like that that I can't explain. Again, they are in the book. Um, and I don't want to talk and do a class on, um, you know, Demon 101. But in the, oh, the church I was a part of back in the day, they were like, they would make fun of the fact. They were like, Ghostbusters, who are you going to call? Name Fossil. And I was like, really? I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that. So I, can't, I don't want to go and get into that, but I do want to get into 
a conversation about, hey, uh, is, 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 uh, uh, is the enemy, the evil one, working in your life right now? And I want to just tell you, he is. He's working in your relationships. He's working at your, he's, he shows up at your job for sure. Okay, he's there early. He stays late too, okay? He, he is in everything you care about. Satan is there. Everything that is precious to you, he is focused on. Everything, everything. And that's why Jesus, God himself in a sense, prayed for us against him. And it's not the only time he prayed. But see, sometimes what we do is we, we just go, okay, 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 no, that looks like Satan. Or we think of evil and we think of scary stuff uh, because it's been commercialized. I mean, we, have, we, we entertain ourselves with this idea of what evil could look like, right? So we watch movies and we're just, we just think that's what it looks like. And if it's spooky, if it's weird, if it's strange, it's cool, you know, whatever. Um, I, this, the, the first service, um, I think what happened is, is I was doing this and it felt like my, the, 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 the cup was moving and, and one guy was like, dude, I can't, when you talk about Satan and all I saw was this cup moving, I thought, oh my gosh, what's happening? I was like, bro, bro, the, the table swivels, bro. I mean, I just want you to know, it just swivels, okay? So you're, you're good, you're good, and you're a grown man. You know what I'm saying? Like, relax, bro. Um, but Satan is more insidious than that. He's a lot more insidious than that. And what he does is, I want to show you, what he does is, is that he speaks to you in a way that you think it's really God. So here's a great story. First, uh, the guy who recognized Jesus, one of the first guys who recognized Jesus, in fact, one of the first guys who had the courage enough to say who Jesus was after, he, if, after all of them were asked is Peter. Peter, if you know the story, Peter is the guy, when Jesus asked, who do you say I am? He said, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the son of the living God. You are it. And then we find this passage where Jesus goes, man, and he says this. He says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Basically, you know what? My father in heaven has spoken to you. And he makes a big deal. And that's the, uh, that's the day where Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter. He said, you are Petros, the rock, and upon this rock, I will build my what? Church. That's the, like, he looks at him and he goes, this is the confession. This is what's going to happen. Awesome. Now, just imagine if that was a Monday. On a Monday, Peter's like, yes, Jesus himself complimented me on my relationship and my ability to hear from God. Wow. And then he just told me, I'm in charge, people. You guys better, hey, I'm the, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. And we know history, history tells us that he was, he started, he was the, the first early church father kind of thing. He started this thing, right? He was that guy. Jesus was like, you are the rock. You're Peter. You're Peter. Okay, awesome. So just say, that was, that was I'll, I'll just say that was Monday. On Wednesday, though, by Wednesday, I think if I was him, and based on what Peter, uh, history tells us, I think he was getting cocky. He was getting a little cocky after that. On Wednesday, he was like, you know what? I hear, I don't know about you guys, but I hear from God. Like, God and I have a clear connection, clear connection, okay? So I'm, I'm just, let's just play along here. If, if, he, if Peter went to a therapist, just to say, he went to a therapist. On Monday, they sat down and they go, hey, how's your, how's your day? How's your day? Great. Highs and lows? Let me give you a high. Let me give you a high. Uh, Jesus himself told me that the Father revealed stuff to me, and I was the first guy to say that Jesus is actually the Messiah. Wow, that's awesome. Wednesday, okay, he said, you know what? Wednesday was okay. Wednesday was okay uh, because I was on a high, and I was, I was great. And I really felt it. I, I might have been bossing some other disciples around. I'm not quite sure. 
But then Friday hit. See, Friday hit, and here's the problem. Friday hit, and something happened. What happened? What happened? All right. What happened is this, okay? Jesus and Peter have a conversation. So it's Matthew 16, 22. Matthew 16 says this, but Peter took him aside. Who is him? Anybody? Okay, you can say it. You can say it. You guys can really say it. It's the, wow. Yes, yes, it's Jesus. He took Jesus aside and began to reprimand him. What is reprimand? Correct him. He's the only guy who's like, hey, listen, 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 Jesus, I know you're son of God and all that, but let me just tell you. Can I just, can I, can I correct you? Can I, I have, I have a few things. I have a few things. Why do you have a few things? Well, I'll tell you why I have a few things. Because on Monday, uh, I heard from the father and I knew who you were and I kind of, kind of know who you are. And I can, I have the confidence to actually now tell you what you need to hear and what's good for you. And let me just tell you what you are uh, doing right now is not cool. Why did he reprimand him? Here's why. Because everything was all great, but then see around, um, around Wednesday or whatever, or around after that moment where with Peter, Jesus begins talking about the hardships and the torture and all the things that are going to happen to him. The arrest that's going to happen, he's going to suffer, and he's going to give his life for everyone. He tells the disciples that. They, were not, they, sh- they shouldn't have been shocked. But Peter has a problem with that. He's like, let me just correct you. Actually, I hear from God too, and I just want to let you know that's not supposed to happen. He literally tells that to Jesus. He, and then he says this. His words were what? Heaven, heaven, heaven for what? Forbid, Lord. Heaven forbid. It's not going to happen. He, heaven forbid. This will what? Never happen to you. And then what happens? Jesus turns to Peter and he says this, get away from me, what? Satan, could you imagine his therapy session? So what happened Friday? Well, I I, I got called the devil. By whom? Same guy. Yeah, same guy did it. Same guy. The guy who's like, you're the man. You're awesome. You hear from God. The same guy just called me Satan on Friday. So how's your week? Ah, it's going downhill. It's going to be a rough weekend. He called me Satan. But then Jesus continues and he says this, get away from me, Satan. He says, you are a what? Dangerous trap for me. Jesus is saying, you, Peter, are a dangerous trap. You are a temptation. You, like what you're saying, I really want. Like, I don't want any of this to happen to me. But you're a dangerous trap for me. Now, he's not, he's not saying you're just wrong. You know, no, no, no. You're a dangerous trap for me. If I, trap, if I go into this, I'm going to go down a hole that's not good. See, here's the, then he says, you're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. You see, when you and I begin to hear things and see things and judge people from a human point of view, who do you think is talking to us? Satan. So if you hear voices, if we hear voices that are against other people and it's justifying killing or hating or being prejudiced against other people, what do you think that is? When you start looking at people and judging them on simply a human point of view, if this is the view of of the world, your worldview is connected to just this world. If you believe that and live that out and you are justified doing that, who do you think is talking to you? 
And what do you think if it was a dangerous trap for Jesus, it's a dangerous trap for you and me. Because the danger is that we will be told what we want to hear. That there's no, this will never happen. Or we don't have to go through this suffering. Or this not, things are not going to be that hard. Do you see how the enemy works? He's insidious because he knows who you are. I mean, the early church guys, I mean, they knew this. And Peter, Peter writes a book after that, after Jesus has passed away and, and comes back. I mean, uh, he, he's resurrected. Um, he writes this. So first Peter, he talks about the spiritual warfare. Let me just read this to you. He starts off and he says this, stay alert. Why? Because it happened to me. I'll tell you what, you start slipping. Okay, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Why? Well, he prowls around like a lion, roaring lion, looking for someone to what? Devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your what? Faith. And he, Peter's saying, hey, let me just tell you from a guy who was called like the, early, the, the, the first pastor to Satan, okay? Um, I just want you to know the, the, the enemy works in a way that you don't even see it coming. See, you and I are tempted to go, well, you know what? The, those people are evil and these people are evil. I mean, even Christianity as a whole, some denominations are fascinated with this idea of the Antichrist, the Antichrist, okay? And throughout history, we have picked people and we like, they're the Antichrist. If you're a certain denomination, guess what that you believe? You, some people believe the Pope is the Antichrist. Really, bro? The Pope is the Antichrist? I remember when Barack Obama was president, the Antichrist. I'm like, really? He's the Antichrist? Like, and then, why? Like, I don't know what, what it is, like, I don't know if it's Westerners or it's Americans. I mean, we just think all our presidents are the Antichrist, depending on which party you're a part of. I mean, kind of self-focused a little bit, self-centered maybe, okay? I mean, but here's the deal. deal. The Antichrist is a spirit that moves and can move and influence people. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. It's the Antichrist where it begins to tell you things about yourself, about other people that are not like Christ would say. It's the anti-Christ. So when you hate people and not love people, you are doing the opposite of what Christ would do. See, the, the spirit of the Antichrist could be inside of us if we allow ourselves to listen and then actually pay attention to it. That's why the early church, this, they made a big deal about this. I mean, look at, look at Ephesians 6. Paul writes this and he says this. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on, help me out, put on the what? Whole armor of what? God. So you may be able to stand against the what? Schemes, not the spookiness. The schemes. The, the scheme, he's scheming. He's in the background, he's in the shadow, but he's talking and whispering. The schemes of the devil for, for what? He said, for what? Because he says, he says, wake up guys, let me just tell you, it's the schemes of the devil because for what? Because we do not wrestle with what? Flesh and blood. You, said, you think your boss is the problem? You, th you, you think these people in power are the problem? I mean, of course you gotta make social change, but I'm just telling you, we don't wrestle against. Our real enemy is not flesh and blood. It's not other humans. You think if you believe this, guess what you're doing? You are being schemed. 
The devil wants to do that. Literally, the word means devil means to divide. If he can divide you, he's got you. And if he can get people hating people, he wins. Did you hear me? If he gets people hating people, he wins. If he gets humans killing humans, he wins. He doesn't have to do anything. He just has to convince us that other people are not human. They're animals. They're whatever you want to call them. And if you and I believe that, friends, we, we think that our wrestle is against flesh and blood. And Paul's saying, hey, guys, we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Against, But here's what we wrestle against. We wrestle against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of what evil in heavenly places now i know you're like okay man man, uh, you're confusing us because you told us to come dressed up and everybody's like i'm i'm in an outfit over here and that was gonna be a silly thing and now you're going deep into this thing i mean friends the reason why i want to do that is because i'm convinced that some of us some of us when we go through things we are totally convinced ourselves that what we are going through is because of us or because of other people who've done something to us do you understand that it's because of us or it's someone else it's my enemy it's those people it's blah 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 but i want to let you know that sometimes the depth of anxiety that looms around you, the depth of loneliness you feel, some of the things you wrestle with, they're not because of you. They're not because of anybody else. They're simply because you have an enemy of your soul that wants to ruin everything good in your life. He wants to come convince you and and make you pay. He knows everything about you. He knows. See, Ephesians 6, 13, he says, he says this, he ends with this. He says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing what? Firm. He said, listen, I need you to know. And he goes into depth of like the spiritual warfare and spiritual armor. And I think you guys, some of you guys should definitely read that. But I will say this, I will say this. Here's how you need to know how he works. He works because he knows something about you. What does he know? What does he know? He knows, number one, your deepest fear. He knows your deepest fear. I mean, like he knows deep down like what you and I struggle with that is beyond our ability to explain to someone else. He knows your deepest fear. He, he, he knows your biggest temptation, like your biggest temptation is like, oh, I can't can't even talk to people about this. I I can't even talk. I'm so ashamed about this. He, my friends, knows this. He knows your biggest temptation. And then he also knows your most desperate need. And I don't fault you for your need. I mean, I don't fault you for what we sometimes find ourselves in places and we're like, you know what, I just, I just need this, man. I just need a weekend off. I just need this, whatever. I just need to cope. I, I, I just, I need this. And you and I have needs for sure. But he knows your needs, your deepest ones. He knows your fears. He knows your biggest temptations. And he is going to promise you pleasure. He's going to promise you a shortcut. He's going to promise you all kinds of things to meet your needs, to conquer your fears, 
and to resist your temptations. He is gonna give you always a way out and it's never the right way. That's why Jesus would say, uh, the temptation of Jesus, if you've never read that, again, falls into these things. That falls into these three categories. He wants to come and he wants to tell you stuff, make you believe, and Jesus had to continue and continue to speak truth about what was really real. So what does that mean? What that means is, is for some of us, you're believing something about your relationships right now that is not true. It's just simply not true. You're believing something about other people and your relationship, it's, it's just not true. You're believing something about your shame, it's not true. You're believing something about your guilt, it's not true. You're believing something about your identity and it's not true. You're believing something about people, how much they love you or how much they hate you and you're not needed in this world. It's not true. It's not true. You know, I can't believe sometimes how I fall into it. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I've, I can fall into this rut. I just, I, just, I just start thinking about something and then I'm not just thinking, then I begin to hear something in my soul. Have you ever been there? Like you still think you have thoughts, but then you start hearing things. You hear like a voice talking sometimes. But friends, I gotta, I, I, you need to know that if you, if you, if you begin to, you gotta, you gotta hear your soul a little bit, but you gotta talk to your soul more than you hear. You gotta, you gotta talk to your soul more than you hear other voices to speak into your soul. You gotta, you have to talk. You've got to be the loudest voice in your soul, reminding you what is true and what God has for you and what he's done in your life. Man, I'll tell you, I mean, I, I believe in modern medicine. I believe in all of that but there is a spiritual battle that's going on and your kids are facing it, your roommate's facing it, your boss is facing it, your, you are facing it, your loved ones are facing it. And for some of us, we are giving him room. We're opening the door to him and saying, come and wreak havoc. Just come, just come. Jesus talks about this idea of a gate like coming, so what comes in through the gate and this idea of the him wanting to be the gate of our souls, like gateway of our souls, like not allowing certain things. It has to go through him to enter into our souls. He says, but if the thief comes, this, the enemy comes and he skips over the fence or you let him in and you don't make me the gatekeeper of your soul, the thief, this thief, this voice that's gonna come is so insidious, it's so evil, it doesn't have a tail and a pitchfork and all that. No, it just starts speaking and whispering, whispering. And Jesus is like, listen, 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 listen. I have done, I've been here. I, 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 for a reason, I grew up as a human. I just want, when I say, I, I hear you, I get you, I see you, you can believe me because I lived it. I lived it. And I'm telling you, this voice is real. And this thief, this enemy, he'll, he wants to do this. And he says it right here in John 10, 10. He says, the thief only, the thief only comes to steal, to kill, and to what? Destroy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, but I have come to give you life, life to the fullest. See, for some of us, you don't know this, but the reason why you don't have any joy right now is not because of you and because of your attitude or your, your negativity and your personality. Could it be that he wants to steal your joy? For some of you, you're like, like you, there was a time, there was a time where, where you believed God a lot more than you believe him now. Like you trusted him a lot more than you do right now. What do you think happened? 
Yeah, in the name, I just started deconstructing. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get healthy de- deconstructing. I get that. I get, I get, you got to reimagine your faith. But the reason why some of us or some of our friends don't have any faith is because the enemy has come and he's killed it. He has killed any confidence you have in the love of God. He's killed it. And we don't even realize it. We just think we're just growing up or possibly just having a different idea and allowing different ideas in our minds. I'm all for that. But friends, there is a darkness, an evil one. And if he keeps other people um, pointing out what evil looks like, he wants to make sure that the darkness that he is developing and speaking into in our lives, no one hears us. And he just whispers it. And he tells you stuff that is awful. Awful. And what's awful about it is because you're so tempted to believe it. Why? Because like Jesus said, it is a dangerous what? Trap for you. Because he knows what you struggle with. Oh, he knows. He knows will get you all messed up. He knows what triggers you. He he knows that, man, uh, he, he knows if he can get you in unhealthy habits, in unhealthy conversations, in unhealthy relationships, he knows he will, can take you down. He can destroy everything and anyone you love. And guess what? He is full on committed to it. The evil one is real. But the good thing is, the good thing is, is you have the Son of God. You have God himself praying for us. You have his power living inside of us. And I can go through multiple uh, passages of where he says, I'm giving you my own spirit, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the spirit of God, the finger of God, the, 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 the force that I've given I've deposited in you. And he said, man, you're going to receive power from on high, supernatural power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when you are, become alive in your relationship with God. So I just want you to know the power, the power to defeat the enemy does lie in you if you, have, or if you are a follower of Jesus. It totally does. So practically, let me just give you this. Practically, it, it means this. He means this. It says, it says that we need to, James says this, this is how you defeat the enemy. You submit yourselves then to God and you resist the devil and he will, help me out, he will what? Flee. He's, this is the exact same thing that Jesus did. This is the exact same thing that his disciples are doing, the early church is doing. He said, number one, submit yourself. That means you have to surrender. You have to admit that what you're facing, you can't face alone. You just got to stop and surrender. For some of us, we haven't surrendered this issue, this anxiety, because we're just trying to figure it out and medicate it. I mean, I get that, but you also have to surrender it. You got to surrender your marriage. You got to surrender your relationship. You got to surrender your career. You got to surrender your relationships. You got to surrender. You're like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You have to. You have to. You you know, you can't be born again if you really, without a real birth. You You can't have a real born again experience, right? Without a real death. Like something's got to die. Like something we have to let go of. You got to let go of the past. 
Submit. He says, submit yourself to God, not to your fears, not to your worries, not to, you, not, not to your temptations. No, res, submit yourself to God. And then he says, resist the devil. That means you stop. That means you, 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 you're brave. You, you, you're like, I'm not doing this. You're talking to yourself and you're talking out loud. I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. You do it. Because friends, if you don't do that, the, the enemy will not flee, but he'll have a foothold in you. Like the scriptures talk about how anger can do that. Bitterness can do that. When you and I allow our bitterness to take over our lives, we allow Satan, the evil one, a foothold. We open it up and we say, come on in, and he's going to destroy your family. Like friends, how many of us, come on, you know this, right? How many of us have lost relationships and we're not even talking to them, we're blocked them. I mean, Thanksgiving is gonna be, wow. That's gonna, you're like, uh, I don't even know what we're gonna do for Thanksgiving. I'm, we might do, a, I don't know, we might just uh, leave town or something. I don't know, or we're not gonna go over there. It happens in every family. I mean, I, I just, like, you gotta, are they, are they gonna come to Thanksgiving? I don't know, if they come, what happens? Then what happens? What, what do you, who, who do you think we are listening to when we've allowed ourselves to believe then we can be bitter and angry towards people we love or we're supposed to love. How, how, who are we listening to that we've allowed people to, uh, to, we allow ourselves to hate people that don't believe like us, they don't look like us, they don't think like us, they don't live like us, and we've allowed that. Who do you, what, do you, what, what have we done? We have given the enemy a foothold. We've not resisted it. So, real simple, right? Submit and resist. Resist the temptation. So I want to pray for us. I want to pray um, for some of you that, actually, why don't we stand together? Can we do that? All right, let's stand together. And if you're watching this, this might be some, a moment for you too, to just kind of, I don't know, whatever you need to do, just to create a moment. Because I, I do believe that there are some voices that we just need to pray against. And if you allow me to just do that. So let's pray. Lord God, Lord God, we, we, we want to acknowledge for some of us that we've allowed the enemy voices to speak over our lives. We've allowed friends to say some things to us and those friends were just not the voices we needed. Those friends were used by the enemy. God, sometimes we're not really alert and we're not really thinking and looking at things from your point of view, we can be just like Peter to, to be used by Satan to reprimand Jesus. We could, be, we, we could say the wrong things when we're, not, we're, when we're hearing the wrong voices. We can say the wrong things and do the wrong things when we're not listening to the right voices. So God, I pray that you would make us sensitive to your voice. You'd make us alert to your voice, that we would resist the temptation to believe and to resist the temptation to be angry, to be justified, to be whatever. That we would resist the temptation to be comfortable. But God, we would, move, we would move towards being brave, doing the hard things, knowing God that we have to interact with people, not, not in this earthly view, but in your view, God. We have to do that. We have to live like that. 
And God, I also pray. I pray protection, just like you did for us. I pray for my friends here and who are watching. I pray, God, that no weapon, as your word says, no weapon formed against them would prosper. And that every tongue that rises up in judgment against them, they would condemn. I pray that passage in Isaiah over them. God, I also pray and that you remind them that, that God, you've given us um, authority over, over, over all kinds of forces. You've given us authority to trample on, as scripture says, on snakes and scorpions, on, 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 these, on these thoughts, on these demonic things that influence us and want to influence. You've given us power to, to trample on them, to step on them, to, to keep walking through them and to overcome all the power of the enemy. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. And I pray that over friends and families right now. The people who have this intense, intense, just overwhelming sense of shame. This guilt. For some of us, it's just intense loneliness. God, I pray by the power of your presence that you would just breathe on us again. Remind us you are with us. And as you speak to us, we will talk back to you. Knowing, God, that you've come to give us life and life to the fullest. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's respond together. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.